Hey folks, this is Opposing the Matrix. Um, this is going to be the last Opposing the Matrix, not ever, but just for this year, since it is the 30th of December 2019. And believe it or not, um, next year in December, well, Jim, it's going to be our 10th anniversary of being on the radio. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we started in or around November or December of uh, 2010. So, uh, 10 long years, long and prosperous and fruitful and, and uh, spiritually healthy years that we've been on the air. Um, uh, so I'm not rude. I want to introduce uh, again uh, my, well, we're all co-hosts here, uh, uh, Eric and Jim, Eric Smith and Jim Wilhelmson. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Good deal. Um, so anyway, folks, we uh, last week... Uh, I, I'm going to have to offer the apology. It's not the fault of these two gentlemen here. But um, what happened was uh, I had a little uh, AFib episode at work on Sunday and decided to work through it. And that just really wore me out. So uh, Monday I was toast. And um, I we had planned on doing a show. And uh, I called Jim later and, and said, you know, I, there's just no way I can do it. And so uh, anyway, we're going to um, hopefully work things out, folks, to where um, – we will, Jim and Eric will have capabilities to uh, to run the show if, uh, if this ever comes up again. And the way it's looking, you know, it may come up again. <laughs> I don't know. But um, anyway, so uh, Eric is a very tech-savvy guy, and, and Jim is pretty tech-savvy himself. So I think if I walk them both through, it's very easy to do, and, and um, they'll be able to uh, do things on days when I'm not able to. But... Um, not that I'm giving up or anything. It's just that you know we're we're all getting older here, except for Eric. He's still a young buck. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty young. Yeah, he is pretty young. A nice guy too. And, yeah, he's uh, standing on top of the hill. We're already on the other side of it, looking yeah. down. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Jim. I think we're starting to climb our second hill, actually. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> last week we had planned on talking about some of the things that uh, has been coming out of uh, Q's posts. That's QAnon. And uh, and we got, like I said, we got waylaid. So apologies uh, again for that. But uh, it's might have been a good idea because uh, uh, it seems that more stuff has come out. More things are happening. <laughs> uh, when, when, when you got the president actually coming out and calling people traitors and stuff like that, that's, that's a pretty, uh, a very, very interesting aspect to all this, uh, this, uh, undeclared civil war that's going on in our country. Um, yeah. One thing you might want to pay attention to is that there was a congressman that announced it, announced that he has stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, uh, you know, I always get them mixed up with another guy Cummings, but, um, uh, what is his name? Um, well, this is he's an African American gentleman. He's been, you know, very adamant against Trump. But anyways, um, pay attention to the people that announce they have, you know, uh, life-threatening illnesses or things like that, because it's kind of their way of um, elected way of basically being executed, but going out with some kind of form of dignity um, for themselves. Um, Lewis, that's happened. Huh? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. I think, Lewis, it's, you got it. yeah, yeah. I think it is John Lewis. Yeah. Um, 
but anyways, you know, like for example, John McCain, everybody thinks, you know, McCain had cancer and he died from it, you know, brain cancer. Mm -hmm. But in reality, uh, he was executed by, for treason. Um, and the one thing I'd point, I'd point to that was actually, uh, kind of disclosed by accident by, uh, the governor of Ohio, John Kasich, um, on a CNN interview, he had made the statement about it, that it had been 24 hours since John had been been, been put to death. Yeah. Right. That. And no one else, you know, I, I picked up on it because that's kind of the thing that uh, he was posting. A lot of these people are electing to, um, you know, instead of being publicly shamed, um, Kind of what happened. Kind of what happened with Ronald. Yeah. During World War II, they're allowed to go out with some level of honor, I guess, in the public and eye, preserving um, some kind of national identity and unity and harmony too. Instead of just, uh, yeah, you know, Ronald being such a famous warrior, and then all of a sudden he's a traitor. Instead of yep. going out as a traitor, he went out as a national hero. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I noticed that Comey and McCabe. Um, Posted that they're going to be jailed for treason. Hallelujah! So that's coming. Um, what was going to happen with Stephanopoulos? I can't wait to you know to see him reap what he's been uh, sowing. Or the other, the comedian Jimmy uh, Kimmel. Yeah, they also said that uh, the truth will be told about the murder of Seth Rich for leaking the D uh, DNC emails to the WikiLeaks. So mm -hmm. somehow that's going to be made public. Right. Um, as far as how um, that information was disseminated. Um, but we kind of already knew that probably two years ago, I, or at least I already did because right. of Q. But now it's going to come into fruition. So Now, didn't uh, – I don't know if you mentioned it, Eric. I, I thought I was paying attention. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned McCain. But what about George W. Uh, H.W. Bush? He was also executed. He was also executed as well. Uh, but he was again allowed to. Um, he was wrong to have the, to, uh, yeah, to have the perception um, that he died of natural causes. Um, and I think a lot of they're they're doing a lot of the in this way just for the fact that just to try to keep a lot of things very stable. Right. Um, I mean, you start executing people and making it known. It's it. You know, in this sense, uh, be, get a little scary. Now, what I would point to, there's a video of that funeral. Uh, of, yeah. And I don't know if you saw it. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. 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 And they're, been, they're handing out these white it. white yeah. letters to certain people, you know. Yeah. And I, I thought it was funny, you know, Jimmy Carter, he's looking for his white envelope. He can't That's find funny. it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want one, bud. You don't want one. <laughs> but anyways, at the moment, I, I, I can't remember it. At some moment during the funeral, something was handed over from, I think, from, I don't yeah. know, it was from George W. Bush to yeah, Jeb Bush. Yeah, or it was from to someone Laura. behind them, yeah. to Laura, and then, yeah. but literally the the shock and look on Jeb Bush's face oh, said yeah. it all. Now, I don't know what was shown on there, mm -hmm. if it was a picture or what, but whatever it was, it he saw you a know, ghost, man. He was yeah. Ghost when he looked that page. Yeah, and basically, you could see kind of George W. Bush kind of looking at him, saying, "Yep." So, 
Um, well, yeah. some people think that George W. Bush turned, you know, and, uh, and that's quite a possibility. But there were other speculations, too. And I, I don't know if either of you guys heard this, but um, supposedly there's some kind of bunker that's under Arlington Cemetery. And it, it had been built years ago, and it was an escape bunker. And, and uh, you know, just in case there was nuclear war or something or some kind of civil uprising, who would yeah. look underneath the cemetery, right? So um, anyway... Uh, and also, and in addition to that, the Bushes had Bush had bought a um, a large amount of property down in oh, it's one of the littler countries down in South America. Oh yeah, um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, and that uh, the speculation was that they got a letter that said, you know, you're not going there, you're not escaping there because that's been seized. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah, that's one of the things that they changed in the laws. Uh, I think by executive order um, by Trump is they uh, are seizing assets of these people um, in the money sources. And so it, it'll become uh, uh, very difficult for them to, to run and hide. Right. Um, right. Cause they're just, they're taking their avenues of escape away. They are going in and um removing people uh, in, that are in positions of authority and leadership that are corrupt and replacing them. The big thing I would, you know, reference is obviously the Supreme Court is happening, but the big thing that's happening is all the judges and stuff that are being replaced at, you know, lower level courts, you know, across the United States, they're all being replaced. So the, the ability for these people to continue to commit crimes and then just get away with it and, you know, you know, these judges that overturn everything that that's all going to go away there's no there's not going to be a system in place to protect them right. any longer well you know uh, recently i get uh, different news feeds from a lot of different places i i don't trust the the mainstream media to say you know if they were the last thing on earth i wouldn't listen to them but um i get a lot of news uh from from private sources about a lot of uh, takedowns of uh, child pornography rings and uh, child sex yes. slave rings. We have a and lot of that happening in Michigan, too. Right I now. saw that. Yeah, I posted yep. one of them on Facebook yep. because there was like 30 people that were taken into custody. Right, right. And just recently around here, um, I think the next town over, if I'm not mistaken, two people were arrested. Um, there's There's been people that have been uh, – and, and I love the community watch things on Facebook. I really do. Um there have been uh, people driving around in vans, of course, your, your typical child molester or child abductor, and or SUVs, uh, taking pictures of children in schoolyards or in people's yards. And the, the people that live in these houses are real quick to get, hey, you know, look at this van. I took a picture of it. You know, if you see it in your neighborhood, watch your kids because these people are taking pictures of children. You know, like like they're planning on, you know, putting them on a board and seeing which one they're going to abduct next, you know. And um so I applaud those people that are getting on on the Facebook and doing that in communities, and uh, I think that there's a real impetus going with all this. That uh, and a lot of these people don't even know that of all these uh, takedowns that are going around. So it's it's really neat that uh, you know there's almost well not even almost it's it's like the spirit of God is um, not just informing Trump and and all and the Department of Justice about these things. And, and local law enforcement, but he's he's also informing people on their own, so that people are taking action because people are sick and tired of their kids getting snatched off the street and never seeing them again. You know. Well, yeah, you wonder why it was becoming so prevalent, and it's because the the 
much of the leadership that's in charge of and authority over us, um, they're allowing it. Right. Uh, and participating in it. Yeah. And that's why it wasn't getting better. It was just getting worse. They were just getting more, more bold um, in their approach because they didn't really care because, honestly, they thought they had won. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I got, have been they got saying. Real sl- they got real uh, sloppy, in my opinion, yep. and then it all flipped on them. Because they, they thought they had finally reached the pinnacle of achievement where they could be more brazen out in the open. They're, they're, they're beyond accountability. They've got all kinds of connections and deep um, safety measures. All the right people are bought and paid off. What they didn't realize is bigger than them. The American people, we the people, have never bought into any of this. We never right. accepted it. It was made, fabricated and made bigger than what it was by the press. And so there was actually a military coup within this country that supported and backed Trump and started taking back America. Yeah. But they had the only and the reason why they had to do it the way they did, because this was so big that it would literally threaten to collapse the entire infrastructure of America if it was happening visibly known. Uh, it would have been too traumatic for some. It would have triggered off of World War Three. Yeah, oh sure. And that was and, mentioned by somebody. They were they were thinking of two approaches to this. They either were going to basically use the military to overthrow Obama by a hard coup. Right. That's what but they they were. they opted to try to um, go the other route through the proper channels um, through a president, and they elected to go to Trump. And ask him to run, in in order to you know be part of the facilitator and get in this done. So right. I mean, it's right. he's part of the equation, but there's more yeah. Uh, yeah. behind that. Um, right. We're saving the country. That's what they're doing. I mean, they are. Well, they, they uh, are. Well, do you realize it though that that what we are talking about right now, to the ears of somebody who watches nothing but network news, we sound like the most flipped out, crazy, crazy conspiracy nuts that could ever walk the planet. And yet that is how effective the enemy has been in blinding the eyes of those that don't, don't see the truth. Don't want to know the truth. They want to take the red pill and slip back into um, La La Land. Well, it's cool. wanna... it'd actually be the blue pill, not the, the blue red. pill. I'm sorry. Right. Whoops. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but day by day, um, as they continue to lose, they will get more extreme. And then as those days pass, it's already starting to happen. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of people just are, you know, that are on the fence that are getting more, uh, you know, they're, they're told all these lies in the media that, you know, you know, Ukraine this, Russia this with Trump, and then they believe it, and then it all collapses, and then – the news right. media loses credibility and that's going to continue on and on. Right. And, but they're going to, they're going to get more extreme as it becomes self-evident that they're going to lose. Well, and look, look at that congressman from New Jersey of all places. Hooray for New Jersey. Um, he was a Democrat all these years and he just flipped and became a Republican because he saw that the Democratic Party wasn't just, they were, they just weren't getting more liberal. They were turning into socialists and he saw it. He said that, um, I get the, I think he said he's responsible for eight counties in northern New Jersey. And he said he had one of the, um, head guys for one of the county walk up, walk up to him and said, it's important that you vote for impeachment. And he goes, well, why is that important? 
He says, well, if you don't vote for impeachment, you're not going to get our support. You're not going to get something. You're not going to be able to walk the line. I don't know what that means in New Jersey, but um, right. you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. He took that as a threat. And yeah. he said, no, nobody's going to threaten me. I'm a, I'm a duly elected official here, and I'm going to vote for what's right. All right. Know? And uh, I know that there are a lot of people back in New Jersey that are in the same situation that they are in. Well, not maybe not so much in South Dakota, but in uh, in in um, uh, Michigan, in Oregon, California, uh, New York, other states where, you know, they feel like their vote doesn't count, you know, because the big cities are are they take over everything, you know, and, and the people that live in the small parts, actually the productive people, let's put it that way, because they are, they're the farmers, they're the people that feed people and and the people that manufacture clothing or, or materials for clothing. And, you know, you. They, they have no voice anymore. And it's the same way here in Oregon. I'm sure Jim would testify the same thing in Michigan. Yep. You know, you, you, yeah. you're, one, you're one way, but, you know, you've got a group of people in the city that vote uh, Democratic. And and because of that, so well, um, personally, I think every state should have its own um, uh, electoral college and, you know, and, and be able to vote for uh, civil servants within the state. According to the electoral college, I think that's uh, something you that have. You have you have voter fraud though, um, and I think part of the problem right is there's not as many blue zones as you think there are. Right. Um, yep. There's a number. There's a, there's definitely a lot of elected officials that are in positions of power that should not be there. Um, mm-hmm. So there's fraud. Yeah. And you can kind of see the consistent pattern of the large metropolitan areas where they they cheat and you know there's multiple ways they do it the big way they do it obviously is illegal voting uh legal legals voting in elections that's part of it there's other things too you know dead voters um other mechanisms in which they go cheating on electronic uh voting machines stuff like that so right um But if you're going to cheat, that's pretty much, in my opinion, you have to do it. You have to do it within a certain counties that have a high populace to begin with, because that's the only way you can really hide it. Mm-hmm. Um, Absentee yeah. ballots is how they did it in Michigan in the last election. And, uh, you know, the Democrats were the ones crying, you know, that they wanted a recount in Wayne County. Wayne County is where Detroit is. And... Uh, as they started counting Wayne County, they realized that they were getting more votes than they had ballots. How does that happen? Right, right. So then they, when they realized that, they called for it to completely shut down, you know, because they realized what the law says. You have if you find this out, some kind of corruption like that, that county's entire voting base is eliminated from the election. Yeah. Well, that would have meant everybody that voted in Detroit could no longer vote for Hillary, they would have been, you know, yep. the, the vote either way would have been thrown out. Well, they wanted that stuff because I, that, it, you know, the thing is, it's a snowball effect. If it was corruption there in Detroit, then <clears throat> what about Chicago, New York, and any other major city around? Yep. The same thing was happening all over the place. It was all right. totally rare. Exactly. So they put a stop to that, and then the press wouldn't even um, mention it anymore, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> making it go away. Yeah. Eric, I don't know if we mentioned it on the last show. Um, I don't think we did. But you sent me an email or, a, I don't know, message. Somehow I got it. <laughs> There's yep. so many different forms any, anymore. But um, 
Anyway, you were talking about uh, several shows ago. We talked about um, Obama um, about his, oh about the Supreme Court flipping. I think it was and yep and and, um, and how uh, we how that would happen. Yeah, exactly. And so and and I explained to you before the show that and Jim and uh, you know while I respect Mark Taylor, I, I was on the fence about him for quite a while because. Um, we as a people have seen um, uh, prophets come and prophets go. Um, and, you know, having visited uh, Elijah's list and, and being totally disgusted by it and everything else, I'm really careful when it comes to stuff like that. I want to see that uh, a prophet's um, uh, messages are, are actually coming from the Lord. And, I, and you see that because things come into fruition, you know. So I, you know, I listened and I accepted, you know, what you guys were talking about and stuff, and 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 I hoped that Mark Taylor was on, on the, uh, you know, on the up and up, and he is. I, I I'm finally accepted that. I watched a video with him, um, and I made a list before the show um, of what you know the attributes of a true um, prophet are. One is that they're unpopular, and I think I think uh, Mark Taylor is very unpopular in the. Um, in the secular world, but also within certain elements of the Christian church or people that yep. claim to be part of the Christian oh, church yeah. anyway. Yeah. Well, he proclaims a, a judgment upon the 501c3, and that right there is enough to basically get you, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. you, need, you, need, you need to go away because you're going to rain on our, uh, parade. Yeah. our parade, and and it's coming. Um, honestly, I I was talking to somebody today, a coworker of mine, and uh, he, he was just thinking about, you know, eventually the the Federal Reserve will be abolished, mm-hmm. which means the IRS will be gone. Oh, right. When the IRS is gone, then there's no 501c3. Right. Right. But churches, oh. like I've said before, are are tax except without the 501c3. Most a lot of people don't realize that. But it is. Right. So the church is still still tax free for the church. What changes again is when you donate money, you can't you can't take that and write a, that off as a, a tax write off. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. that's what that's what what a lot of you know a lot of people with a lot of money do. They donate money in order to get the tax write off for the, for their benefit. They're not donating for the benefit of the church. They're doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So when that changes, you'll see the, the the change in the intent of heart of why they were doing what they're doing. Well, what what effect is that going to have on corporate structured churches? You're going to see a lot of them collapse. Yeah, you yeah. just are. Uh huh. Probably the the bigger you are, the more likely you are to collapse. Um. Well, you know, it'll be good because you'll see guys like Joel Olstein, all the money. Oh, it'll be gone. Out of business, you know. Oh, and yeah, but it, yep. yeah, but a lot of that stuff is just a cancer. So, yeah. but it's kind of the it's kind of the judgment on, you know, the way things have been done. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, the, the whole system is you pay, you say. So well, the biggest tithers are the ones that ends up becoming the elders and the leaders yeah. on the board, and right. they're the ones that uh, restrain and restrict. Uh, they do, and and I have to say I I can't say that every everyone that you know you donate money with the idea that you you exchange money for 
power and control. Yeah. Right. And that's that's part of the problem. The other thing is, and I don't want to classify everybody that has money to be bad, but if it's any, you know, from my personal experience, just looking at my own church and the people that get put into authority because of that, uh, not there's a number of them that aren't so good. Right. They shouldn't be there, but yet they are. Uh-huh. And what they have to say has value, but someone that has less has no say. Right. You know, right. and that's, again, part of the problem um, with the church structure in general. So it's going to change. A lot of these churches are going to go out of business. Um, you're going to see church being done in a whole different light, I think. Right. Uh, you'll see the rise of the home church is what I right. see her on the horizon. Yeah, I, I believe you're correct about yep. that. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, Mark Taylor has also echo, echoed that. Um, which I think it's a good thing because we need pro- so much money is now tied up in an administration of a, of a church facilities and all that, that very little mo- money is ever devoted to actual uh, outreach and ministry anymore. Yeah. That's external to the four walls. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you can almost track it all the way back to the Johnson amendment mm-hmm. when that was signed, put into place that's when you you had you know prayer taken out of school, right. abortion legalized, mm-hmm. you know homosexuality, all this other stuff. Right. And uh, you know, I'll just for example, my own pastor is more offended by tr- uh, Trump's tweets, which he's actually spoken from his pulpit, which. You know, they're not supposed to speak out politically, but he's been the most vocal politically that I've seen him in the 20 years that he's been there. Really? He's never said a word against an, another acting leader, despite what they have all done against us uh-huh. until now. Uh-huh. Wow. So, so has anybody ever called him to the carpet on that, Eric? The leadership's all compromised. Oh, okay. So Judgment. Judgment's already there. Yeah, and I like I like I've said I you know not not to say too much, um, but I personally see that there's a realignment coming. Uh huh. Where I don't believe I'll be there anymore. Right. At some right. point, uh, there's going to be a trigger event of some kind that's going to change things the lord the lord is always faithful to let you know when he wants you to leave something oh yeah 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 for years and um actually i moved back from from north carolina and i moved back to my to sacramento and and i started going to this church i never really cared for but it was a place to go to and and uh i was there for about three or four weeks and realized man this place has really gone downhill in just a few months and i'm going to start praying for it i felt led for that you know so i'd get there 20 minutes early and start praying for the service the pastors the leadership and everything else and the uh oh the um i don't even want to go into the uh the worship what that turned into but um anyway so i i finally was like my flesh every time i walked in there it was like I don't know how to explain it. It was like an oppression that I've never felt before. And from one day I said, Lord, I'm leaving. This is my last Sunday here. He says, Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> and I says, Oh, please come on, man. And, and, and so he said, No, he says, you've been praying for this church and I want you to stay here and keep praying and I'll tell you when you can leave. 
And so I start, I kept praying, and then um, I noticed that uh, the worship started getting better. It, what they had done is they'd brought in a young guy, and he was singing all the younger songs. Well, the church was made up predominantly, I'd say 60 70% were old people, but he was trying to cater to the young and bring young people into the church. Well, the old people would all sit out in the lobby during worship because they didn't want to listen to the all the banging of the drums and everything, and I can't say I blame them. Um so anyway, things started to change, and the older people started to come back into the service and worship and everything else. And and uh, the pastor, I don't really think he changed very much, but a lot of people there changed. And then one day I heard the Lord say, okay, you can go. And I did. Yeah. And I didn't go to church for a while. Then I found a church that I still rave about. It's one of the best churches I've ever been to. Last Day's Harvest Ministries down in uh, Sacramento. Tom Mooney's the pastor down there. Man, that's an awesome church. But um, anyway... Uh, so, you know, he'll let you know uh, th- yeah. through a circumstance or you'll hear him audibly speak to you. Okay, you can go. Or like some people in one church I was going to, all of a sudden, one day they all felt ill. They all, When the message was given, they all felt vomitous, you know, mm. and they got together afterwards and nobody else had gotten that way. So it wasn't a sickness going through the church. It's just that, remember in, in Revelation, Jesus talks about your church of Laodicea, you better straighten out or I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Yeah. You know, and it was like that. So they, they all left. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you're aware, but one of the things that they do is a lot of um, churches will go to, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. They'll, they'll, the church leadership will go to Saddleback Church, oh. you know, Rick Warren's church. Yeah. And they'll, they'll take all this training and everything, basically how to basically grow a church or whatever, you know. Yeah. AKA let's, how, how do we get the most money <laughs> yeah, anyways? Exactly. But one of the things they do is when they come back is, you know, they do their best to try to expel, um, all the older people out. Right. That's one of the, that's one of the things that they do. The communists call that a purge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You purge them out, mm-hmm. uh, by any means necessary. Uh, and then you, you know, not that I really care about a sanctuary, but one of the other things they do is they, they rip out all the pews. If they have pews in it, put in chairs, which I don't know. I could, I suppose I could go either way on that, but, um, but there's another, uh, there's a number of things that they put in place because they want to make their church trendy and uh, acceptable for you know to lower the standard in order to bring in more people therefore right. you bring in more money you know uh-huh. um so that's one of the things they end up doing not that i'm saying a younger person that from leadership can't um you know sometimes a, another set of eyes is good right um um but not at the expense of expelling those um, that are old or elderly. You know what I mean? You know, so. that is so typical of how communism works. They yeah. get rid of they get rid of the older people, the people that remember what it was like before. Yeah. They get rid of the intellectuals, the ones that can question what they're yeah. doing. Well, critical and, thinking. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then they move into useful idiots that will say yes or yes to anything that they want to do. And um, I learned a long time ago that just because a pastor's got a um, maybe a degree on his wall that he uh, he went to a cemetery, it doesn't mean that he um, 
he necessarily knows. And I, I admit I did that on purpose because that's. You did that on purpose. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. No, a lot of, a lot of you pastors will call it that, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that they're any good. You know, I've, I've been to lawyers' offices and, uh, saw the degree on the wall and, and you wonder how they got it. You know, I've been to doctors. How you wonder, you wonder how they got their degree. You know, I've worked with nurses. It's like, you know, who did you pay off to get your license? Uh, you know, and uh, it's just, it's amazing. It really is. But, um, you know, just because a person's got, says they have the credentials doesn't mean that they do. Um, I, I was involved in a discussion today. Um, oh, what was it? It was how the, um, oh, yeah, it was uh, Michael Rood, I guess. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of things he says, but he uh, he's got this calendar out that, uh, right on top, it says it's the year 6019, and I'm, I'm going, wait a minute, man, the red flags went up like there was no tomorrow, because the only other organization on earth that uses that date would, are the Masons. The Masons add a thousand years onto the, onto the current date, because they think that the earth is a thousand years older, and they use the initials AL, which means um, Anolusis, or the year of light. But we know it that they're talking about the year of the light bearer or Lucifer, you know. And I'm, so I got into this discussion with this guy, and he said, "Well, so and so said, and so and so said, and so and so said." And I'm like, "Well, did you ever ever question where they got their information, or are you just believing what they said because they've got degrees on their walls?" Yeah. You know, I mean, the Pharisees all had degrees on their walls back in the time of Jesus. Were they right? No. No, yeah. they're dead wrong. So anyway, it's people need to um, to really, you know, I used to get mad when I was younger because they, there was this thing going around in the 60s, question authority, you know, and I saw that, and it was at the time, it was the sign of rebellion. But now I, I kind of endorse that, you know, it, when something, somebody comes out with something, find out what they mean. Cite their sources. Have them cite their sources. Have them tell you where they got it from. Because a lot of times things are people's opinions, you know. And I don't care about your opinion. Your opinion doesn't matter anything to me. It's if you can cite your sources and show me where somebody said something. What was it a couple of weeks ago? I I was trying to bring up a subject, and and while we were online, I or on the on the radio show, I looked it up and I said, no, it turns out that that's false. You know, I'm sorry I brought it up, but you know it's false. So you know, let's just Turn that one and cast it into the waste basket, you know. Um, well, yeah, that was the third term thing for Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Huckabee, I think, mentioned something about the whole idea of him getting a third term because they basically w- tried to ruin his first term. Right. Somehow, I think eventually it's going to, not that I'm saying that he will, but I, I do wonder. If at some point it'll come out that they basically staged a, a treasonous soft coup against the president and ruined, you know, well tried to ruin three three years of him trying to do what's right while they did all these illegal acts, will, will that allow him to get a third term um, because of that? But I I don't know. I'm on the right. fence on that. But right. But um, I I do I. You know, like I said, I watched this thing by um, Mark Taylor today, and um, he did mention that um, he mentioned a lot of things, but um, he was talking about 
Well, let's see if I can find it in my notes. Um, yeah, about the uh, Supreme Court justices. Yes. And uh, and how Obama, um, <clears throat> he said that Obama's, and you've said this before on the radio, so I'm not trying to steal your thunder. I'm just echoing no. what you said. Run with it. Obama um, will be found to have been a fraudulent president, and his presidency will be nullified. He'll be stripped of it. Yeah. Oh, boy. And I was thinking, well, initially when I heard that prophecy, I thought, well, wait a second. He's at the time he was still president. I was thinking, oh, is he going to get stripped out before he ends his second term? Right. You know, but then I, you know, then it kind of dawned on me. Well, wait a second. Eventually, it's going to be understood that he ran uh, a spying operation and a systematic coup. Right against tr- uh, Trump, and this will eventually come out, and he'll get arrested for it. Uh-huh. And through that mechanism, you know, he'll be deemed a traitor. Therefore, his presidency will be like it never even happened. And it would mean all the every decisions. every every act that he enacted will be nullified. So, what did he do? He appointed two Supreme Court justices, Sorry, Kagan and Sotomayor. During his presidency. Right. So it stands to reason that most likely they they will be pulled out because of that. And I suspect the third one will be Ginsburg just because of her age and just all her health problems. Yeah. But anyways, because Trump's already done two already to the Supreme Court, but he's going to do five in total. So there's still three to come yet here. Mm -hmm. Um. So, which would be a good thing, and you know that combined with the uh, all the appointments he's making in uh, the uh, circuit courts. Yep. Um, I know that. Uh, I think he's totally, if not yet, will soon have turned around the whole Ninth Circuit Court. Which uh, would, Michael, Michael Savage used to call him the the seventh, uh, the ninth, the uh, Ninth Court of Schlemiel's. <laughs> I think that was pretty good. But yeah, they would. The Ninth Circuit would would ruin everything. Yeah. You know, they yeah. just would. They have. They wait. They they seem to have too much power. Mm-hmm. Ironic that it's called nine, by the way. But mm, nine. yeah, yeah. No can there be any coincidence up. to that? Nope. <laughs> Why nope. don't you explain that to folks? Deep Space Nine, nine. Well, the nine, the yeah. Council of Nine, yes. the nine sections of this universe that are controlled by nine different directors. Yes. The director that is in charge of our sector is a entity called the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, mm-hmm. the cosmic Christ. And they have a certain policy called the prime directive where they cannot interfere with a planetary's planet's development until they are able to get to a point of reaching intergalactic space travel, which means relativistic speeds of space-time. When they develop that technology, then by the very nature that they have that technology, they're going to realize they're in a bigger community of an intergalactic planets and whatever. So it's that area's director to be oversight of all the planets until they reach that point. They don't interfere with that planet unless that planet is on a road of self-destruction or contamination in some other way to the greater cause then they have to clandestinely steer that planet away from self-destruction. 
but they will not reveal themselves until after they reach that point. So that's called the prime directive. And, of course, any Trekkie knows exactly what I'm talking about because <laughs> yeah, this, sure. this is the policies of um, what we have watched for 60 years, 60 years of programming called Star Trek. Yeah. And yet when I just recently discovered where Gene Roddenberry got all of his information and understandings, um, it was a mind blower. It came from an offshoot of the Project MK Ultra when the Russians – started working on some of the captured scientists that they had, Nazi scientists after the um, war, they started working in a little slightly different area. They started working on ideas of remote viewing, um, telekinesis, you know, where they could move material objects with their mind. And uh, when the United States found out about that, we kind of freaked out and we thought we got to play catch up because they had been going under the Manchurian candidate thing and mind control and stuff. And it was illegal in America. So they were doing all of their experimentations and everything through an American scientist, um, uh, Gottlieb, uh, with paperclip scientists, Nazi scientists that we got. And they were working in Canada, up in Ontario, uh, McGill University. So. When they discovered all of this, they realized that they could come back to America. So uh, Project Penguin was derived from MKUltra, and we came back to the States, and they started working on this Project Penguin. And on that project, the director, who was a, um, a Ph.D. scientist, but he was also um, an Indian, dots, not arrows, uh, India from India, um, who was also a Hindu, who was – familiar with uh, with a lot of the Hindu mysticism and everything, he knew this other guy who was a PhD who had been channeling aliens from another planet, apparently, um, this Council of Nine. And so they brought him over to be a part of this Project Penguin. Project Penguin was more of a militarization of all of this stuff, and he became the director, the Indian guy, became conservative and thought, well, you know, in case things got too militarized, we're going to start something out of my own home that's going to have more of a peace-oriented um, adaptation of this information because the information was important. So out of his home, this one guy started attending, and this guy was, like, much more aware of the importance of it. He saw the bigger picture, and he was really uh, – um, had a background in knowing movie stars and um, Hollywood uh, filmmakers and things. So it was his idea. He said, this stuff has to be packaged. It has to be repackaged as a fictional story. We'll get Hollywood to get behind us and support and promote maybe a television series where we can have this information where people can acclimate to what is inevitably going to happen to them. This way they can be prepared for it. Hmm. So believe it or not, that guy's name was Gene Roddenberry. His entire program was for the preparation for the inevitable, which be, would be the coming cosmic Christ from a federation of planets that was going to represent the one uh, of nine councils in our section. Huh. I, you know, I mean, when I came to realize, you know, I had been saying for 20 some years that there's a coming cosmic crisis. This is all going to be intergalactic kind of a, you know, weirdness. Never ever had I ever imagined that it would literally be Star Trek Right. was the format. Um, guys, this is going to sound funny maybe, but 
I still am an avid fan of Star Trek. Oh, sure. Me too. But, you know, sometimes I just break down crying when I'm watching an episode. Because I know, had I never been, had I never found Jesus Christ, I can see how to realize one day that this is our reality. Mm-hmm. As a Trekkie, I am going to be elated. I am going to, this is a great, this is like a dream country. This is heaven on earth. This is awesome. Right. Right. And that's the way they sell it. So now I look at it that way and I just, sometimes it really gets to me. I love the program. I love the characters. I like to, the, the fight for freedom for silicone based life having equal rights to, to carbon based life. You know, I mean, they make it very humanly appealing. It makes it very compassionate. There's a lot of deep thought in Star Trek, uh, on a lot of different levels. Not on the first one. You know, Kirk was just a, I don't know, a man whore, intergalactic, uh, <laughs> intergalactic man whore. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> love it. But the others, you know, you get something like, um, uh, Jonathan, um, oh, what's his name from, uh, Card? No, well, Picard won too. There's a man of honor. Uh, Jonathan, um, oh, come on, from Star, Starship, uh, Enterprise. Uh, the guy that played in Quantum Leap. Yeah, I've got I, his face. I don't have his. Yeah, he's yeah. he plays uh, a man of just amazing character, you know, and depth and everything. And and it's like to know how Satan can appeal to all of our human interests and sense of fairness and decency and everything, and then to twist it and distort it in such a horrendous way. I look at all the Trekkies and, and I enjoy other Trekkies. I like talking about, you know, different episodes and different things, you know, uh, about it. But I can see how they would be so enamored with the idea that now this is our reality. Oh, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. It's heaven on earth. No, it's hell on earth. And that's how good Satan is, is appealing to us. When he said it was a deception that if it were possibly even the very elect would be deceived, he really wasn't kidding. So it's it's tough for me to watch some of these sometimes now just to know I can see myself as being caught into it so easily if I had never known Christ. Now that I know the reality and the truth, I mean, it's just no way that's never going to happen. Um, yeah. Gosh, is it? And I guess that's where in, in the scriptures in Ecclesiastes, it says that, uh, um, oh, now I'm trying, with, with much wisdom comes great sorrow. Mm-hmm. And the sorrow comes from if, if God has clearly shown you something of a reality, it's going to happen. And people are so clueless, they don't see it. And you try to convey it to them and they still don't get it. It hurts. It hurts because you care about these people. You want to, you know, it's sure. like, wake up. Don't, you know, uh, it, it's like being a lady that is trying to uh, reach uh, the guy that's getting on the flying saucer going to this other world. He says to serve man, it's a cookbook. Don't get on the plane. It's a cookbook. You know, you, you it's kind of like you're stuck in that kind of a position. Don't do this. This is the most dangerous thing in the world. Please don't go down this path. And people just laugh at you and ignore you. Right. So, yeah, that's great sorrow, man. It's, uh, you, but, you know, you know what? You do what you can to plant a seed. Uh, and this is why I guess I'm kind of bold in not being shy. I'm not, I don't care what people might think of me or say or laugh at me or anything. I got the most important seed that I got to plant in their head. If I'm willing to spit it out, no matter what they do to me, laugh at me or whatever, 
than it was worth it because maybe 30 years, 20 years down the road, it's going to mean something of life and death for them. They're going to remember that weirdo that told them something and wow, you know what, maybe I need to be more cautious of this. Maybe I need to consider a different side because if you don't ever say anything, there's no other side that ever existed. Nobody will make connections. That's right. Hey, you know, I was just, it just, this just came through my head, Jim and Eric. Um, I wonder you know, because when the original Star Trek came out, my dad was a fanatic. I mean, it was like a church service in our house. You didn't talk. You didn't sneeze. You didn't, you know, you left <laughs> really? the room if you you wanted to say something. And, and, uh, and he would get mad. He would he would actually get mad and yell. But anyway, um, I never knew why my dad was so interested in a UFO phenomena. Never until after he died. Um, and it never occurred to me to ask him. Because, uh, I mean, he had copies of Project Blue Book coming to the house when I was a little boy, you know. We used to drive to New York City to to get uh, UFO magazines because he didn't want them coming to the house. And, you know, known as the guy that believes in little green men, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, I wonder how many, and, and I wonder if we could conduct a poll somehow, how many people that are, are Trekkies like we are, um, have had a UFO, either seen a UFO or had a uh, an alien abduction or an alien encounter. Um, that would be interesting to see because I wonder if that's part of the prep, you know? It, um, well, it's definitely entertaining, the idea. You're opening doors, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I did when I was five years old. I'm looking up in the stars and saying, are you guys really out there? Are you come here to eat us or are you come here to help us out? Yeah. You know, that's there's a I'm knocking on the door right there. I'm inviting them. Come on, let me know if you're real or not. Exactly. Oh, okay, we'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah, well I sure. found out I found out after he died cuz I you know, my uncle was um just a little older than me, but is very close was very close to him and um and I said I never could figure out why he was interested. And he goes, "Well, see my dad used to like to go up to a certain lake and fish at night up in New Jersey. And yes, there are lakes in New Jersey and there is country out New Jersey, not all. Um, um, what do you call it? Refineries <laughs> and, and drug uh, manufacturing facilities. But anyway, um, he says, "Oh, he says that's an easy one to answer." He said he had s- some kind of experience while he was out night fishing one night, and I went, "Okay, now that answers it. That puts the whole puzzle together." You know uh, why he had the interest, why he liked Star Trek hey. in the whole nine yards, and. And uh, I don't know. I don't really have the time to do it, and I don't think either of you do, too. But if there's anybody listening to this, um, well, I know there's people listening to it. But if you are interested in, in conducting some kind of poll or getting something started to where we could find out the answer to this, it would be very interesting. Because I think that a lot of you out there have had your own UFO or alien abduction or alien encounter. And uh, and that's one of the reasons probably why you listen to this show. Um, but... Um, yeah, it would be interesting if somebody could conduct a poll about that. I don't really know about how to get that started or whatever, but um, and I'll bet you, I would bet you anything uh, that uh, the majority, I would say, upwards of eighty percent of the people would respond yes that they did. You think? I I think so. Uh, there's because there's so many other things that are interconnected. When you first go into my little museum, the first thing you see is a, uh, an album of uh, Iron Butterfly, and I got it to beat it. The next thing you notice is an album of The Doors with Jim Morrison. Mm-hmm. And those, those two groups, believe it or not, have a lot to do with uh, UFOs and aliens. The, the uh, intervention of, of um, what we would identify as fallen angels, aliens, whatever you want to call them, uh, 
infiltrating our society and influencing our society. Um, it's a mind blower how vast this cover up is and how this is the biggest thing that's been covered up from the beginning. Jim Morrison's whole um, album, The Doors. The Doors is alluding to portals, openings right. to the multiverse. His daddy was a rear admiral in the United States uh, Navy. Um, he was the head during the 50s and 60s, well, actually late 40s. He was the head of what would be the equivalency of everything and anything black ops that our government had involved in. He was aware fully, 100% of the whole UFO alien presence right from the very beginning. His son went with him on his ship everywhere they went, and they were the ship that was the good ship lollipop for everything black ops. They made stuff go away that didn't happen. They made other things happen that never happened. Whatever it was, clandestine, they did it. Right. He was ahead of it. I mean, you know, who, who, I never knew that in history. Mm -hmm. You know, his ship was the one that uh, was in the Tonkin Bay that started the whole Vietnam War. Right. Um, so his entire album. I mean, you better believe when I found this out, I listened to all the other songs and everything. My God, he even predicts that he's going to die, so he's going to fake out his death and, and survive it, and he did. Mm -hmm. Just crazy stuff, man. Who would ever think that, you know, these kind of connections were there? Um, Jackie Gleason and, and uh, President Nixon, yeah. same kind of a situation there. I mean, you know, Walt Disney. Walt Disney, I believe, before Werner von Braun and him became good friends, before, you know, during World War II, Walt Disney made a lot of, uh, well, he made one main cartoon uh, in their theater space is what it was called, something like that. It was, uh, um, he was definitely an American. It was pro-American. And, and uh, I think he had like a childlike fascination for uh, magic and mystical stuff that we would now call today the occult. But he had like a, a child's like interest in it nothing serious nothing um clandestine or nefarious or anything of that just like somebody that didn't know any better that's kind of poking and probing around so fantasia um, wasn't uh, wasn't an occult uh cartoon to get everybody enticed into the occult or anything it was just a childlike nature that he had as an interest but after world war ii after uh operation paperclip and werner von braun a dedicated SS Nazi officer come over to America to head out the NASA program. They became good friends because he was always interested in space and everything too. After their friendship, then all of a sudden Walt Disney started cranking out movies that were actually more adapted to initiating people into serious understanding of the occult and adhering and, and uh, getting more in depth to it. Well, right? I know because, that Walt, uh, if I remember correctly, did not like Jews. Now, that, that could have very well been. <laughs> you know, now, Jim Morris. He Jim made a Morrison's couple state, state, number of statements in regards to that at one point that gave me that indication. Um, that would be like Ford, uh, Henry Ford yeah, did not like yes. Jews. Hitler yeah. had a picture of Henry Ford in his Reichstag office. Um, yes. Jim Morrison's daddy hated Israel, wanted to see Israel wiped off the face of the map. His whole time. Now, uh, Jim Morrison, he liked Jews. Some of his favorite um, people he hung out with were Jews uh, in Hollywood. 
I think his um, girlfriend was Jewish too. Actually. Yes, you're right. Yes, you, you you're right. He is. So I mean, so he definitely did not, and that's where they locked horns because dad and son. I mean, the son was a uh, you know an acorn not too far from the the tree. I mean, he was with dad all the time. He was a conservative. He was a um, um, a conservative right wing person all of his life. He did not like hippies. He didn't. And he didn't identify. Uh, he took drugs only when he had to in order to identify the role that he was playing, because the role he was playing, he was playing for the Department of Defense. Right. They're the ones that actually created the doors and put him out there to bring some things together and steer the the um, generational rebellion the way they wanted it to be steered, which didn't really work too well because uh, Jim Morrison was kind of a rebel and he encrypted in all of his songs everything that he had been exposed to. And when I redid a lot of the songs and looking at him and going, oh, my God, he knows everything I know. He knows about the multiverse. He knows about, um, you know, it wasn't even in existence yet, the idea of layering over space time. He knew the manipulation and how to where it came from and how to bring it about. It's just it's a mind blower. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, um, you know, this stuff didn't just happen overnight. <clears throat> it's been creeping in all the time waiting for the checkmate balance at the end game, which we are on the verge of, of seeing now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You so, know, even um, Jim, we have a, a person that uh, has been an antagonist towards us, but I um, wrote a book uh, and uh, the book is uh, the title of a song sung by sticks of all people, um, of all groups rather. And if you look at the last two stanzas of the uh, the song, it talks about uh, he was looking up in the sky and he saw angels and they said, come sail away with me. And and then the next stanza, it says, uh, we thought that they were angels, but much to our surprise, they, uh, I think it says, invited us into their the starship and we uh, sailed into the skies. So, you know, th this that <laughs> that's a song about alien abduction. I'm sorry, but it is I yeah. mean, a willing abduction, but still. Um, What's so, the river Styx? A lot of people don't understand what the river Styx is. That was uh, in Egyptian in mythology. It was the river that the dead crossed. Right. And, and you had to uh, pay a, a, a toll of some kind. Well, yeah, uh, it's think, almost think like. About, go ahead. It's just like Stobacor. It's yeah. I mean, that. Same theme has been redone everywhere. And you know what the River Styx is uh, describing also? It's a stream that is sometimes open, sometimes closed. Right. Mm. But, uh, it's the great it's – the, it's, it's the chasm that separates the upper and lower chamber of a literal real hell from heaven. And so, you know, the, that same theme runs in all different cultures and all different um, – Oh, sure. themes, but it's the same description of the same place. Well, when you look at the, the belief system of the Eastern, Eastern mysticists, you know, the yin and the yang and, you know, right. everybody's got good and bad. And if you look at American Indian culture with the eagle feather, it's got a dark side and a light side and um, and, and a lot of different things like that. Um, when when supposedly when somebody crossed the river Styx, um, they were they were called to, um, I can't remember the name of the god that they believed in, but um, and what he would do is he would weigh their heart. And if their heart was as light as a feather and, and the scale didn't move, then they were approved to be righteous, according to, you know, that religion. But um, if their their heart was heavy, then they were approved. They were called wicked and they were sent. I don't know where they were sent, but 
that's uh, see that played in, in all the um, the light and dark, the yin and yang, and everything else. And uh, it's it's amazing because back around 2000, uh, the Catholic Church was looking for a a new uh, look to to Jesus. <laughs> Basically, you know the old. Uh, Long-haired, uh, bearded, uh, Northern European-looking guy uh, just wasn't cutting it for, for the Catholic Church anymore. They wanted a, uh, a multicultural Christ. Is actually what they called it. And so the the picture that they commissioned was actually of a, of a looked like a, maybe a, a person that was part African American, part white, but he was wearing a uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, all the symbology in the picture is amazing. But there was a feather there. Okay, so there, that's the yin and yang right there. There was actually a, a, a symbol of the yin and the yang. Um, and there were a few other things, too, that it, it wasn't just a multicultural Christ. It was a multi-religious Christ, and it was a New Age Christ. And so that was their um, their their uh, what they dubbed their new image of what Jesus looked like. Um hmm totally wrong and i there's an article on a delusion resistance about it. it's one of the first articles they ever wrote actually but uh, even even the colors you know the, that that are used in the picture each color has its own sim- symbology when it comes to uh eastern mysticism and uh, and stuff like that and and um a few years ago we were attending a a, a body of believers down in um oh south of here that's all i'm going to say because i don't want to implicate anybody but we had a uh a woman that claimed, uh, Afri- or excuse me, um, American Indian or excuse me, Native culture in her blood, um, and she would wear the uh, the Indian garb, you know, the um, uh, you know the robe, the priestly robe, I guess you would call it, and uh, she would do the eagle dance during praise and worship, and she would beat the drum. And I, I approached the pastor and I said, you know, this is a lot of this stuff has. Uh, occult meaning to it, you know, because they they claim that the eagle is, you know, the great spirit. Well, the the great spirit that most uh, Native Americans worshipped was was not the Lord God of Israel. It was the the great spirit that most people in Eastern mysticism believe in. Um, but uh, you know, so the the drum. I don't know if you know this, but the uh, the Indians believe that the drum is the heartbeat of the earth. So when they pound the drum, they're actually trying to match the heartbeat of the earth to to bring themselves into harmony with the earth. And um, it's a lot like that in different cultures where they beat drums. But um, anyway, uh, I, and I approached him and I said, you know, it's it's not exactly. I know I know that she probably doesn't know this stuff. And if she does, that's worse. But if she doesn't, maybe we need to point it out to her, you know. And I, I left that in his capable hands. And uh, nothing ever happened except to point the finger back at me that I wore a kippah every Sunday on my head and how dare I. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, so we got to watch this inter- intermingling stuff that's going on. You know, it's, uh, you talked Eric about the, uh, the intermingling when it comes to, uh, to finances, uh, that the rich people in the church get to say and the poor people are, it's what's kind of like society's like, you know, he has the, the most gold rules. Uh, when it comes to the golden rule in a lot of churches, and um, but there's there's also a spiritual component to that too, as we all know, that we have to watch out for. And if it's uh, if it looks strange and, and you investigate into it, it is strange, and it needs to be nipped in the bud right away, or else it's going to take over. You you could look at um, uh, it's like Christian of, yoga. Christian, Christian yoga, yoga is just 
shouldn't even exist. It, or you know, look at look at the Vatican for that for uh, let's just let's just visit Mexico for a few minutes, you know. Uh, and I don't mean to, uh, to insult anybody, but let's look at what religion is like down there. You know, um, the, the Catholicism in in, um, in Mexico is much different than it is in the United States. Much, much different. It's if you're if you're a Roman Catholic in Mexico, you are that's that's your identity before anything else. And I suppose, if you know, that's the way we should be, too, for Christians. That should be our identity first. But um, a lot of paganism is brought into the church wherever that that the Vatican goes, it, in order to win people over, it accepts different things that uh, that the people believe in, so that it doesn't make the transition seem too hard, so to speak. And, and we talked earlier about how some churches, uh, um, or we've talked in our shows maybe how they bring in uh, music from the outside. I knew one church where they said that they were playing Katy Perry songs so that they can get more unbelievers to come into the church. And I'm like, okay, well, why don't you just uh, put uh, the book of uh, the Satanic Bible there, too, because that will help people to come in, too. But anyway, um, so, you know, it's the mixing is not good. I mean, in some ways, you know, we, we do have to. And, and there, there are ways that we can we can bend a little here and bend a little there, as long as the main focus is Jesus dying on the cross and um you know, in the resurrection and and um, and, and the mainstays of uh, the Christian faith, but when you start bringing in like uh, bowing to statues or uh, carrying statues uh, within the church and stuff like that, well, you know, some, sometimes things need to be nipped in the bud. And um, and we're, for some reason, we've been indoctrinated so much into uh, political correctness, or should I say, religious correctness, maybe in this matter, that we're afraid to bring things up. And Eric, you hit the nail on the head. It's all about the money. You know, you don't want to bring these things up because you might drive away the people that are that are um, donating the most. You know, I've seen it time yeah. again. You know, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so he, I think for one, getting rid of the 501c3 is is the best thing that could ever happen to the Church of Jesus Christ. You know, the the Church. Um, of Christ Universal, you know the uh, all all believers, the remnant. Let's put it that way. Maybe it's the best way to put it. It's the best way to make it grow. Uh, aside from, well, a lot of people see it as persecution anyway, because how how dare you make it so that I can't claim this on my taxes? But um, at the same time, well, I, I, I yeah, like I said, I, my comment would be that point. I said, well, you you could still give it. Yeah. Nothing changes. Exactly. But I said the intent of heart is what changes, and right. it exposes you for who you truly are. Now, yeah. now, if you're giving it as because you really want to see the work of the Lord go further, you cannot ever get, outgive God. Now you're going to get your blessings from God and not from Uncle Sam. So, you know, it's better. Yes. Yeah. It helps your own maturity, Christian maturity. You get what, uh, what you really got coming and not uh, the temporal, temporary thing. Don't you reward. think that it's still good that it's still going to exist that the, the ones that give the most are going to be the most listened to in a lot of churches because you know the guy that can give twenty bucks a week because he's got to feed his family isn't going to have as much say in the church as the guy that gives a thousand dollars a week. Let's yeah, except that the church that is going to, going to give as unto the Lord, mm -hmm. they're so filled with God's spirit and wanting God's spirit to do the leading and directing. There's going to be no room for self-willed people. 
those people won't feel very comfortable around the other people. They'll either they're either going to repent, convert, and see the real gospel, or they'll walk yeah. away from it. Yeah, church won't be done in the the way that it's been no been it conducted. Won't. It'll 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 all change. Uh, the change will be um, quite substantial. Uh, you uh, know, when you were talking, say, you're right. <laughs> When you were talking earlier about, you know, I have, there's, there is another side to the cultural aspects. We want to, at the same time, we don't want to be like the British who tried to make all the other cultures as they were sending out missionaries and, and bringing them to Christ. They were trying to make them all of a sudden worship Christ in a uh, British standard. Yeah, uh, European worshiping. standard. Yep. And, you know, that was just totally wrong. You know, there's this, there needs to be a relaxation of some things and show how their culture can integrate into it. Just as when I had a biker church, there was a certain element of biker culture that could be integrated into the church without compromising or being carnal-minded Christians or anything. Of course. But it was a, yeah. a, a way to merge the two. Now, working with peacemakers, we work with uh, Indians, especially the Apache Indians, and the Indians um, up at Wounded Knee, and um, where was the um, Little Bighorn? Right. Now... Uh, working with them very close, I've seen how some of their culture has been able to be integrated into their own way of expressing um, the Lord, but it is totally focused on Jesus Christ. That's the cross and, right there. Yes, and, and that is. You know what's incredible, guys? Um, uh, we just had a special service the other day. It was uh, the day of the celebration of the annual uh, situation that happened at Wounded Knee, and uh, so Steve was, Pastor Steve was going through what exactly happened, how it resulted. Some of the people that he's working with today, descendants, of, direct descendants of those that were massacred at Wounded Knee and, uh, and where their position and stance is in, in the Lord. He's given testimony of some, some of the Christians, uh, there that are now Christian leaders in the, the, uh, Indian reservations. Uh, it's incredible. They're having dreams. They're having visions. Uh, they're seeing that. Some of them are actually some, even what some of the elder chiefs have dreamed years ago and from um, oral tradition has said that there would be a day when there was this spider web or a, a web that um, would end up turning on, on the white man. His own technology would turn back on him and, and cause him to um, stumble. But now they're saying it's to stumble, but then through that stumbling, they're going to wake up. They're going to they're going to be better for it or closer to God because of it. Some of them now are seeing that there's there's coming a time when they are going to be finally set free from the reservations. Well, that's interesting that you said that because I, I think I had posted something up in Facebook Messenger to you guys about uh, Trump had signed a, a couple bills uh, recognizing and support uh, tribal sovereignty and native culture. So, um, interesting. You know, technically, they're still prisoners of war. They are. Because yeah. we, uh, we, we, we uh, you know, we... We assigned we took, them a number. We took, yeah, we took their land mm -hmm. and we put them on the most undesirable um, place, places to be called reservations. Or internment yep. camps. Yeah. And yeah. they are free to leave it, leave it, but if they do, then they leave certain privileges and rights. So they're pretty much bound to it stuck to it yeah. um but you know I, being from south dakota our, our reservations are actually 
probably the worst in the United States compared to other parts of the country. Um, there's so much, um, uh, how do I say this? There's so much going wrong on the reservations with the native population. It's just unreal suicide that is um, far beyond the national average, as an example, you know, broken homes, all this type of stuff. But um, that seems to be what exists on almost every reservation around the ones that we work with. The same thing. Suicide is one of the highest. It's higher than any other um, place on the planet. Reservations are all high in suicide, high in alcoholism, high in family dysfunctions, yeah. um, everything. It's just they're, they're left with nothing, and um, it's horrible. It, you never hear about it because it's not politically correct. Um, yeah, and I go I go a little bit both ways on this, but, you know, you got to understand we, they were forced under reservations, and then, you know, their cultural identity was stripped from them. Yes. And through that, uh, you know, you just, you kind of suck the will out of that generation. Right. That's and then yep. you, you had a vicious cycle that broke down after that. It's just, it's been not a good thing um, to see. I don't know how or why, but I truly believe somewhere down the line, I'm going to have a voice in reminding the right people that if we really want to make America great again, we're going to have to honor. And I think God has given us an opportunity. He's going to give us an opportunity where he's going to have a lot of land, a lot of resources that are going to be available for um, the church to utilize. And if we do it in the right way, we give this opportunity to finally own up to every peace treaty we've ever made with every American Indian tribe and give them first choice of everything. If we do that, we're going to have an ally that's going to be um, the best ally we could ever have, and that's the, the natural citizens of this country, the American Indians. They have, they have suffered so much for so long. My God, even during World War II, um, they ended up forming, you know, the, uh, the code breakers, you know, using, uh, uh, Navajo. The, the Indian language, yeah, the Navajo Indians, uh, their language. Now, here they are. Here's the people that decided, okay, um, this isn't going to help me out for anywhere in anything. But they look over to the um, to the west, or, or they look on one side, and they see Nazi Germany, and they see how the Germans treated the Russians and treated the, the Poles and and others, uh, and didn't even know about the Jews then because that was covered up. But then eventually how the, they treated the Jews, but just how they treated them in war, they just annihilated everybody. So I said, okay, we don't want to be under the jackboot of a Nazi. They look over to the east and they see how the uh, Japanese treated the Chinese prisoners, just wipe them all out. We don't want to be under their jackboot either. So I guess it's better that we're under the American boot because at least we know where we stand. So we'll we'll side with them and help them out because at least we don't have anything, but at least we do have something uh, and we still have our lives. So what a horrible way to decide. But yet then you see that where wherever any of the American Indians were as a unit or uh, a functional part of the military, they exceeded and excelled any expectation that anyone ever had. They were, they were some of the best troops and self-sacrificing and just amazing. Now that's doing it under duress. Can you imagine what they would do? wholeheartedly because 
they got love back. They got honesty back. They got a fair deal back in compensation. I think that's the only smart thing. You want to make America great again? Honor the American Indian. Honor the tribes. Give them the the, the best land. Give them an opportunity to uh, make up for 200 years of betrayal. Uh, well, the best allies in the world. I think the way we treated the Japanese after World War II proves it. Who's our best ally? Uh, one of our who emulates everything that we do. They want to do the Japanese people because we didn't do anything except love our enemy and give them every opportunity, and they greatly appreciated for you know up until today. Right. That's love always wins. Always wins. It sure does. So I think somehow, some way. Um, these American Indians are dreaming and having visions and seeing things of a hope of a future that I hope we're going to be honorable enough to end up fulfilling. And I think we will. I think it's we're, we've got some crazy times coming up, but we got some good times coming up. Um, and yet, you know, I've heard some people say, well, you can't have both. Well, yeah, if you understand the patterns in the Bible, you don't, you can't have them any other way. You, you don't get you don't get the revival without having a common threat because we don't move any other direction until we're forced to move. When the gray shaded areas are removed and we have either one one choice or another, all of a sudden, um, you know, there's there's no place to hide in indifference. You're either actively on one side or you're actively on the other side. That's separation of the wheat and tares, part of end time prophecy. It's just it's bound to be that way. So with that. That means there's heat and pressure. Heat and pressure is persecution. Persecution is the only thing that seems to motivate us into coming into unity and being the people that we're supposed to be. So I say, bring it on. You know, everybody say, oh, oh, my gosh, the apocalypse. We got to stop it. We got to prevent it. We got maybe we can put it off. Why the heck would you want to put it off? Come on, let's get it done and over with. I'm tired of all this hiding behind the, the shadows and the, and and everything. Let's bring it out and duke it out one last time and be done with it, man. Because I already read the end. We win. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Why would you want to? It's like, oh, I got this abscess tooth. Like, really, it's a lot of pain and everything. But, oh, no, don't pull it yet. Let's just make it. Give me some more opiates and I'll feel better about it. Yeah, it'll get better on its own. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. pull this sucker and get it out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So oh. anyway, um, uh, I had a, another point about uh, Mark Taylor yeah, is that um, is that uh, you know a man of of God, uh, a prophet of God, excuse me. Because they come out with some of the most outlandish ideas that nobody would ever believe, right? or want to actually publicly say, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at look at, uh, or maybe unpopular. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to be popular over it. So, yeah, hey, okay, yeah. I want to hide in a cave and think everybody's, you know, ready to stone me. Yeah, look at like Jeremiah. You did, yeah, so Jeremiah, Jeremiah yeah. during during the uh, the siege, siege. Uh, what was that word? Um, siege. Yeah, siege. he was told by the Lord, okay, tell the leaders, give up. Go to Babylon. You'll prosper there. You know, <laughs> but there were, there was like a multitude of prophets that were saying, no, that's not from God. Don't listen. Um, had they decided to, well, we, you know, talk about alternate universes and stuff, but, um, you know, maybe things have, would have turned out different, but they went the way that they did. And there was a slaughter. Uh, Isaiah said that a virgin would conceive a child. That's quite an outlandish idea. Uh, Daniel and the ten toes. 
you know, what the heck was he talking about? Well, we know, right? Um, The symbology in both Daniel and Revelations, you're starting to talk about dragons and angels with their feet on the land and the sea. That's kind of some really freaky stuff. That's Twilight Zone material. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's it's, it's all going to play out the way it does. And um, and also a prophet will accept that maybe his prophecy will not come to fruition in his lifetime. And usually the Lord was good about that. He'd say in those days, you know, um, mm-hmm. like I said, I've been to Elijah's list and I, you know, man, if I could close that site down, that would, that would be the best thing I think could happen for Christianity. But um, anyway, I just, uh, I, I don't know how to put it into words. It's, um, it's just um, the, you know, Jim, we, we call ourselves, what do you call ourselves? Baptocostals? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we believe in the in the rigid, not the rigidity. That's a bad word, but in the firmness of Scripture and in its uh, undying message, it's it's um, it's a it's foundation, a rock that's the church is built upon. You know, Jesus, is, of course, is the well, he's the Word of God, and he is the foundation. But um, you know, but then you know, you got you have your your your. Pentecostal, or maybe your maybe people would understand better your spiritual way of looking at things uh, biblically, and um, so that gives you a kind of an even balance in in both things, you know. And you can you can be balanced in both things, you know. I um, well, let's take the NAR for example. I I do believe in the fivefold ministry, right? I do believe that there's 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 prophets and there's apostles and everything else, but I draw the line when it comes to when when they start saying that well you know the the first two are more important than the rest of them because they're mentioned first. No, I'm sorry, that's not right. The scripture proves that because nope. a lot of times it's the second born that takes that that is given the anointing and not the first. Um, but you know, so you know, you can believe in the fivefold ministry, but not go hyper. Or hyper charismatic like uh, the NAR has uh, with that Bethel Church down there. Well, and, and Paul addressed the whole idea: you got to work as a body, a function. You can't have, you can't all be apostles, you can't all be a prophet, you can't all be a, um, a ministry of helps. And yet, right. an a, apostle's not going to get anywhere without the ministry of helps. Right. I'm sorry, just not. You know, you got to work like a machinery. Every mm-hmm. person has its piece and function and fits together in unity. It works. Right. Um, so one is not better than the other. And um, that's exactly what Paul, you know, to to grossly, um, uh, not really grossly, but just to, to illustrate it very loosely. That's exactly what he was trying to, to get across to everybody, that that there isn't any big eyes and little U's. We're all part of a, uh, a team that can't function unless we're functioning as a team. Right. And, uh, you know, so. Yeah, it's hyper, I think, is the, is the way. You know, it's funny how certain doctrines seem to have a package deal to them. If you're a, a fundamentalist, then you don't believe all the gifts are here for today. If you are one that believes all the gifts are here for today, you're also a, um, Armenian, a follower of Jacobus Arminius. Um, and we're not, we're not part of any of the packages, actually. We're, you know, each, each element of, I would have to say, I hate to say, is each part is a division 
that the enemy has made a division, especially the followers of uh, uh, John Calvin or uh, Jacobus Arminius. Uh, they seem to be the two biggest ones that split and divide the body of Christ in a horrendous way. And yet if both chuckleheads would sit down and discuss with each other and realize, you know what? God hasn't forsaken either one of you. He has blessed both of you with different insights, which means you both are right and you're both are wrong. So quit concentrating on what's wrong and see how what you have fits into one picture because you right. both have something right. Mm-hmm. Calvinist, you got it understood about the salvation of the spirit. Arminius, you got the understanding of the salvation of the soul. So right. quit fighting with each other and see how you both come together with two pieces to make a whole. Because guess what? Salvation is trying to be represented on a one-dimensional plane, and we are three dimensions. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. One of you is right on one part, and one of you is right on the other part. Now quit fighting each other and see how it fits in together. Right. And quit being a tool of the devil, because while you're sitting there bashing each other, demonizing each other, calling each other wolves in sheep's clothing, you're not doing what God said, was to how is the world going to know of my love, how you have love for one another. Neither one of you are respecting or, or loving the other. You have no respect for each other. You're not treating yourselves like family members. You're treating yourselves like enemies. Mm-hmm. Stop your whining and crying and acting, you know, with your Billy Goat religion. But this, but that, but this, but nothing. <laughs> Billy Goat Qu- button. <laughs> yeah, it's Billy Goat religion. That's a, <laughs> I don't know where I heard that. I heard it from someone. I thought that was really cool. I like that. I'm going to use it. So I've been using it ever. Yeah, it's pretty since. good. So and goats you, we don't want to be. We don't want to be goats. We want to be sheep, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so what do you, you know, now that it's the end of the, the year and stuff like that, personally, what do you guys see? Or, you know, what do you, uh, how would I say this? How do you think without trying to be prophetic, how do you think that um, 2020, 2020 will play out? 2020, do you, do you ever, does that remind you of anything, 2020? Well, it reminds me of a television show with a bunch of well, uh, newscasters. And, well, yeah, but what is yeah. it, even the uh, 2020, vision, what's it reminds, the purpose? It reminds me of uh, Perfect Vision. Perfect Vision. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what year this is? It's a leap year. Mm-hmm. So does God, is there just coincidences or does he have a really cool sense of humor where he uses things like this? To for us to maybe realize that this next year we may be leaping into perfect vision. Hmm. The apocalypse means the 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 revealing. It doesn't. You know, we hear the word apocalypse and we're always thinking, oh, this is you know the atomic bomb, Third World War, uh, Illuminati takeover, whatever. You know, all the horrendous things you know happening. No, apocalypse means the unveiling, the lifting back of a veil. So things are revealed. So here we are, 2020. It's a leap year. I think God's saying this is a time where you can leap into perfect vision. This is going to be a year, a year of, of total understanding of a right. major lifting back of the veil. So I think it has a lot of promise. We're ending a decade. I don't know about you, but last year was a tough year. It had opened up some doors of opportunity, but it has been a tough year. I've been attacked oh, on every boy. level, on every yeah. way, on every shape and form. And everybody I know who's serious about serving the Lord has gone through the same thing. This has been a tough, tough year. Right. 
I agree. This next year is going to be the year of open doors and open opportunity. We're going to leap into perfect vision. And for all of us who have been seeing things for so long, but we've not been on the same page with everyone else, the reset's coming. I think this is a year for it. Without being too prophetic, I think just a lot of things are going to become clear this year that were never clear before, ever. And that is going to be peace. Uh, I mean, peace for us anyway, because now it's the whole purpose is to get all God's people on the same page. Right. Right. In true unity. Mm -hmm. And since that's affected my personal family, I take that very personal. I'm very excited about the possibility of potential. Good deal. Good deal. What about you, Eric? Uh, I, I, um, you know, more or less, I agree with Jim. I think 2020 will be um, uh, a year of peeling back the veil. Uh, a lot of things are going to get exposed. Yes. It's going to open up a lot of people's eyes, I think, um, as far as how the world has actually been operating. Um that's something that is God's going to allow kind of a great revealing. Um, on a personal level, um, I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of change within the country, uh, not to be too general, but um, I think it's just a lot of change even within people's um, personal households. Um kind of a a realigning of things right. per se right. um, like I stated you know where I'm at now um, in terms of church I think like that I think that's going to change for me mm-hmm. um, I do you know for the audience I do think um even though it's going to be a good year, um, there's going to be some heartache because I think. Yes, I, you know, I, Eric, I, I wanted to throw in too that it's going to be it's going to be um, enlightening, but it's going to be with pain yep. and sorrow. Yeah, a lot of pain and sorrow because some of these things are going to hurt that that we're going to be made aware of. Some of the experiences that we're going to have to go through, the changes are going to. Yeah. We're going to suffer personal loss. It's going to hurt. It's yeah. not going it, If you get an abscess tooth pulled, oh God, you're so thankful that it's pulled once it's gone. But while it's going through, you go through pure hell while yeah. you're getting it pulled. Because yeah. no yeah. Novocaine is going to take away the pain. The pain yeah. comes with the process. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's going to just be a realigning of things just, yeah. you know, within families and stuff like that uh, that are, are going to change. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know that there there will there'll be others, but this is kind of you know you know the thing that you mentioned the reset, um, a realigning of things and going into another direction. Um, yeah, without getting too cryptic, you know, for myself, that's kind of what I what I see coming. Um, that's how I've been, you know, especially the last I would say you know six seven months that's the sense that i get um but yeah like i said it's going to be a 
it's going to be a great year. A lot of things, because you know, just from a the country standpoint, a lot of things are going to get revealed for what they are uh, in terms of corruption, corruption leadership, uh, and Trump will win his election and he'll win it quite easily. Uh, it will be no contest, in my opinion. Um, right. Right. Just even from um, the economic, you know, monetary uh, num- numbers you look at, um, most a lot of people vote with their uh, pocketbook. You know, mm-hmm. not that that's the, the most important thing, but that's just a lot of way people vote. Right. And you know, unemployment's been going down. A lot of things have. There's been a lot of job creation uh, specifically targeted towards uh you know a lot of minorities in our country which is really starting to help them right which is a great thing you know because they they had been forgotten Mm -hmm. um and they do seem to suffer more than say myself so and they're gonna matter you know it's election Mm -hmm. and especially the african-american community um I, I truly believe that um, there's going to be a, a great, well, it's already started uh, an awakening amongst them um, when it comes to this election. And uh, I don't think, I don't think the Democrats are prepared for what's coming. Um, <laughs> they, they're not, uh, they, they're have, not. they have taken these people for granted and it's going to bite them in the butt. Yep, it really is. It is um, definitely, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're all going I mean, to reap what we've sown, and yeah, for some yep. of us, it's going to be a great thing, and for some of us, it's going to be a hurt, hurtful thing. Well, yeah. Personally, I I've noticed that, and I've called it before. I've called it the great national anxiety that occurred uh, for eight years while Obama was in office, and it was even around before then. Um, it's been around for decades, actually, but and it's it's it, that anxiety has been that people know that there's some things going on in the background, but nobody really knows what they were. Yeah. And like you guys both mentioned, that those things are going to be revealed, and uh, people are going to realize that you know we we haven't, for the most part, been a sovereign country. We've been at the the women whimsy of uh, of of a few men and women that uh, are um, what would you call them overlords? Maybe you'd call them um, overfuers if you've been watching that other show. Um, but um, but I think that the answer, like you said, the answers are going to come. But um, my prayer is that they come in a way that people will be able to absorb them. Yeah. Without getting too freaked out, because you got to admit that what the three of us have found out and know is we've we've gotten over the last few years, but what right. a lot of people are going to be presented with is going to come over the period of maybe a year or two, and it's going to be a hard pill to swallow, so to speak. Traumatic. And, yeah, and and I'm just yeah. hoping that. Um, well, yeah, it'll it'll be less traumatizing, uh, I think in my sense, you know, for a person like me, but, um, for a lot of people that have been brainwashed, um, you know, Kim Clement echoed this. He, you know, he had seen a vision and he, he saw no two party system. 
there was only one party of people and he was just in shock because you know you look at how divisive things are right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can't ever imagine that would even be possible but yet he saw it huh he, he mm-hmm. saw it wow that's amazing so things are going to change yeah they just are I just want it to be. I want it to be a more peaceful transition. Uh, you know, one of the things that that Mark Taylor said today was very interesting. He said that Trump has allowed a lot of this stuff to go on. You know, with these, uh, you know, with the Mueller thing, and and now with the impeachment, he's allowed it to go on, and because he could have clamped down on it right away. Yeah, you know, he could have called in the guard and had a you know yep. put down the coup right away. Yeah, but he would. He's he given as a he's dictator. Gi- yeah, he's given he's giving them the rope to hang themselves with. To hang <laughs> right, and yep. it's more of it's like this. Um, and Q has echoed this. It has to be done right. It has to be done in a way that there can be no doubt, mm-hmm. and that it it'll be crystal clear to everybody what's going on. Right. So right. this cannot be rushed. Mm-hmm. It's like a chess piece. It's all being set up, right. and it's going to go checkmate. Yeah. Yep. And but, it, uh, it, there'll be no doubt in the mind of, uh, of anybody that's, you know, wants to see the hard evidence as to what has transpired. Exactly. You know, for any listeners, for any listeners out there, if you have Amazon Prime, you can go to Amazon, type in Mark Taylor's story. And you'll get his testimony. It's a Christian-made movie. It's it's an awesome movie. You can watch it for free. But it it is the it is the story of his calling, um, of how he was praying for something totally different, and got started getting answers about Trump before Trump was even president. And it was all the prophecies about Trump, how God was going to use Trump as He used uh, King Cyrus. Um, it it's it's an awesome movie. It's a touching movie. Uh, for any of you that can identify to any calling that God has ever called you on, you'll definitely relate to it. And I hope that the same spirit that has called him is going to bear witness that the guy's a legitimate real deal. Right. Right. The proof is in the pudding, and the pudding is uh, yeah. starting to turn out to be made. Uh, you know, um, I remember watching my mother as she made pudding back when he used to make it, really, and it wasn't an instant mixture. You know, you'd have to heat the milk up. You'd have to then pour the um, the pudding in or the gelatin, I think it was, and and then the flavoring, and then you'd have to stir it. You'd have to let it cook for so many minutes, and then you would take it off the stove, and it would develop a skin on top of it. Now, some people really like that skin. I couldn't stand it. Um, but it was a process, and um, if it if your mother made it right, it turned out good. Thus, the proof is in the pudding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I got to say, my mother never made a bad pudding. Uh, but um, I imagine that there were some that made pretty bad pudding. But anyway, um, so like I said, the proof is in the pudding with when it comes to Mark Taylor. And it seems like the pudding is turning out pretty well. Um, I don't know where the skin fits into that. But uh, anyway, um so and and the mark of a, a prophet is when when things happen the way that they say they're going to happen. And I notice that he's very careful. He's not a date setter, which I like, because uh, many prophets are. You know, on August 30th at 2:45 in the afternoon and 30 seconds, uh, this is going to happen. No, he doesn't do yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know why people why they do that. Yeah, I know. 
they make fools. It never out. works out each and every time. Yeah, but yeah, I I know what Mark is. Um, you know, I recognized it almost immediately. Um, like I said, uh, what was it? Um, early 2015, I think. Might have been springtime, maybe late winter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, Obama Obama's still in office, and I'm just. You know, and I might have mentioned this before at some point on another radio show. I was just sad, uh, just for our country. And I just, you know, I had this prayer uh, to God that, you know, hey, you know, if we're in a Sodom and Gomorrah situation, but yet there's still, you know, X amount of righteous people in this country. You know, would you save the country and clean up the corruption and leadership? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's literally mm-hmm. what I prayed. Yeah. And then I it probably wasn't that much longer. You know, Trump and you know announced he was running, and my I didn't know it at first, but my wife mentioned it to me. Mm-hmm. And when she said it, I laughed. You know, like, wow, this is a joke. Right. But then I started to you know listen to him talk, and it was just like. Bam, uh, you know the spirit of God like hit me. You know it's it's weird. It's it's, it's probably I would say the, the, one of my first true um, uh, experiences beyond you know experiencing something out of the extraordinary in that sense in my life. You know, right? Um, obviously, you guys are probably far for, more familiar with it than I was at that time. And uh, Actually, Eric, when I first heard he was going to run, yeah, you know my knee-jerk reaction was? What? Oh, my God. Here's a corporate fascist who's a yep. libtard uh, yeah. leader, and well, he's going to he become yeah. president? Yeah. Oh, well, I laughed no. at first, and you know I, I shouldn't have. That was my fault. Well, um, with me, I, I was looking I, at what I knew about him, but then, yeah. then not, well, probably not long after you did, I heard this uh, guy Mark Taylor and yeah. about the prophecies of Trump. Yeah, and I, I and because I already knew the biblical pattern, I'm going, oh my God, this is something I've been waiting to yeah. see. Somehow it was going to yeah. happen. No, God, are you ser- with him? Yeah. Are you yeah. serious? And then, like You're- you, I heard him talk the first time, and I'm going. Oh my God! I never heard this man talk like that before. Right. So here, here, here it is. You know, you know my background. Uh, you know, not that I'm totally this way, but I'm always a little. I, I suppose at some point, a little judgmental against people. Uh, just given my conservative background a little bit at that time, uh, where you know, I came to a realization that. Okay, here's a man that is imperfect, and he is imperfect, Trump, you know, in his life. Right. But yet, when you look at the Bible and the people that God uses over and over, you see him use people that are imperfect in the eyes. They're flawed in a lot of ways, but God will use them to accomplish his will. and these people belong to, to the Lord. So I had to really adjust my attitude. Mm-hmm. I really had to. 
at that point because I'm thinking, okay, if you can use him, then novice, then maybe and then you can use me, I guess, because I, you know, I'm a flawed individual and everybody is, but but it just goes to show you, you know, you you have these how um, in church in general, there's a really a critical spirit, I will call it, um, especially against him, but just against other people in general. Well, that person doesn't, you know, like my background, you know, well, that person doesn't go to church twice a Sunday. So therefore he's, you know, that and that or, right. you know, that type of thing, you know, but there's other things you, you can see with with other people as far as being judgmental or they, you know, they don't dress well enough on Sunday or something like that, or, you know, something's very, very callous in my opinion, but it just goes to show you that, um, I see a transfer from a corporate church where, um, people are going to leave because they're dissatisfied with what's going on and they're not getting anything out of that system. Right. Right. Yep. And even Kim Clement echoed this, that he was going, that God was going to change things and, and bring, bring a lot of this, uh, to a people that are dissatisfied. And when I read, when I heard that, that's, that's how I've been feeling. That's how I've been feeling for the last decade. Mm-hmm. You know, and finally we're starting to see that come to light. Yeah. Well, with me, I I remember um, living through those eight years of Obama and thinking this country's toast. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I did. Judge, we're, we're being we're judged, finished. and that's it. That's it. Yeah. You know, we're toast. Yeah. That's and pretty much. Having, yeah. Having grown up with a father that was, you know, in the army, he was in the army band, and he he loved military marches. So I grew up listening to John Philip Sousa a lot, <laughs> and uh, and I like those songs. I like those marches. So do I, yeah. And um, and so I would listen to them on YouTube, and uh, before Tr- Trump even announced, you know, I would listen to them on YouTube, and I would start to weep, and and, and uh, listen to America the Beautiful, the whole song, and or you know Columbia or whatever, and um, and just start weeping, thinking, okay, it's lost, it's gone, you know. And um, so and then I thought, okay, well, Hillary's going to get elected and it's the final nail is going to go in the coffin. And, you know, who knows what we're going to be living under in another four years, you know. and Into the FEMA camp I go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, and I was fully prepared to go, too. I was like, well, Me that's too. what happens. Yeah. That's well, what happens. So. Mark, um, I think Mark Taylor echoed this. They said, had Hillary Clinton won that election that would have been it. Yeah. They would have. She, she they talked about putting people in a happy camps that were dissatisfied with her. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. they were going to open up the borders and flood, flood the country. And he said there was going to be a civil war like you've never dreamed of. Right. Um. So, you know, and something else that has come to my mind, you know, you, um, I don't know what you call it. You know, that kind of that way scale. Uh, I think the Romans used it, maybe the Greeks. The balance? Where you, the balance that, that balances the scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I kept on, you know, I, I, I kept on seeing that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, like we were at 
this tipping point where everything was kind of balanced, right? But it was balanced in a sense of, uh, you know, the iniquity right. of the country, and then you know, you know, the righteousness. Like they were completely in balance, right. and they were on the verge of the of the iniquity overtopping uh, the righteousness of the country. And what that tipping point was going to, you know, going to become heartache. You know what I mean? Right. So, which I find it interesting, you know, I've seen flags or banners of Jim, the tribe of Dan, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the the serpent, right? Mm -hmm. But I've seen also, because basically Dan is to judge, right? Right. Okay. Well, I find that interesting because um, I've seen banners with that same scale on it as well. You know that balancing scale, right? For judgment. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was an interesting correlation. So, but fun, fun fact: my biological mother, uh, her name, my my folks were never married uh you know I, but i've i've kind of described my background to you guys right but her last name her maiden name is domer which is danish for judge oh hmm. wow you can't make that up no <laughs> and and you know you know you talk about the the tribe of dan and you know the, the scattering of the 10 northern tribes you know, through Roman occupation and some of them settling in Denmark. You know, Dan's land was originally the name of was Dan's right. land. Right. Yeah. Along yeah. the Danube Yeah, River. Domer, you know, Dan means <laughs> yep. to judge, yep. you know, in Hebrew. Yeah, Domer, from my lineage, means judge. Mm-hmm. So there can't be any coincidence to that as well. So. Wow, I think it's funny that all three of us have Danish, you know, backgrounds too. So we're yeah, all, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I, I I wondered about you know when you said that, like you know, I wondered how you know I, I kind of put some stuff to the test, you know, when people talk about things and you talk sure. about the tribe of Dan being scattered to see to Jacob to mm-hmm. America and stuff like that, and so I thought, you know, all right, this is all true, and I know all this stuff, uh, and this is all for a purpose. I bet. If I go to get one of those DNA tests through Ancestry and 23andMe, mm-hmm. which I did, I said, let's see. Let's see where I come from. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, um, part of my lineage goes back to Denmark. So yeah. um, so no surprise. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, mine, oh, wow. mine uh, the way my name is spelled, it's S-E-N. E-N is Danish. O-N is German. Right. But the funny thing is that there was a famous war between Germany and uh, Denmark back in the 1840s. And uh, our family farm ended up being half in Denmark and half in Germany. Yep. So uh, we were subject to the laws of both countries, and it was sometimes conflicting, and it just got so confusing that I uh, said, that's it. Forget it. We're going. We're going to America. So mm-hmm. they uh, they came to America around 18. 18- I think it was 1847, and uh, so there's a, there's a story there. The, one of the first to go to uh, Utah in the uh, covered wagons with um, 
uh, what's his name? Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith was a Wilhelmson. I didn't say oh, that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh really? Well, I I got to go. <laughs> yeah, right. well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me. I I got some. I got some special underwear you can have, and these big glasses too. You put them on, and things get really. Yeah. I. You got some special tablets for us to decipher. Uh, tablet. Yes. When you put the glasses on, it it makes everything clear. Yep. Oh, fantastic! That's hilarious. Sounds like beer goggles. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, I don't know my family genes. I don't know. It's just yeah, like Pepperson well. talking about um, my my other side of the family. You know, being related to uh, Jesse James. Jesse James. Yeah, that one was. Rather interesting. <laughs> he's, he's got me convinced. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm safe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's too weird. For sure. You know, thank God. Well, that that falls under the all the curses that are broken once we're under the blood of Christ, man. It's a, a good thing. Behold, old thing. All things are done away with. Old things are done away with. All things are new. Yeah. Oh. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Which brings up a whole new DNA thing, which is very interesting. And if you go to my website, check out the word, the book, uh, The Kingdom Tree, because that deals with all that stuff. So um, there's some interesting DNA that all of us have and we have acquired since we've been born again. So yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, hey, gentlemen, it's about seven minutes from being pumpkin hour. I was just yep. going to say, I think the pumpkins are ready to sprout, so we probably yeah. should. Yeah, these, these East Coasters or these Easterners have to get going, folks. So, um, yeah, so uh, if, you, <clears throat> if you guys could stay on after we shut off the show, I just got to talk to you for a couple minutes. But yeah. Sure enough. All right. Enough. Well, folks, we, uh, we have concluded our last broadcast for 2019, and we look forward to continuing 2020 with all of you. And you'll notice that our uh, opening song changed. It's a little more lively, so you're not falling asleep in your car before you, uh, you know, while you're driving. So uh, anyway, uh, guys, it's been a pleasure serving the Lord and with you these um, this last year, these last few years, actually. And I uh, look forward to more years in doing the same. Amen. Yep. And we we will. That... Go ahead. Oh, just. We'll see you next year, next decade. We pray yeah. that you all have a happy, safe uh, New Year's Eve and day. Um, stay off the roads if you can. Um, there's a lot of lunatics out there. And, um, well, just uh, celebrate and love, love your families, love your friends, and uh, we will talk again. Uh, I don't know when the next show will be. We'll have to talk about that because I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks. But um, anyway, uh Folks, have a blessed uh, New Year's and uh, from the Delusion Resistance and from Echoes of Enoch and, and others, we, uh, we wish you the best in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Okay. Good night, y'all.